Welcome to the Telford Minster podcast. Thank you for joining us and listening along. Our vision is to make Jesus known in Telford and we hope that your attention is grabbed by Jesus today and what he's doing in your life. We have moved into the completed Minster space on Southwater Square in Telford and we'd love to invite you to come along and give church a try at our 4pm gatherings every Sunday. We're opposite Wilco's and above Novella Lounge. Jesus building his church. Mm. Uh, Such a sense of God with us, such a sense of his Holy Spirit uh, binding us to to the the, the life of the Trinity um, and also binding us to one another. Uh, And then we feel a bit bereft when the youngest ones have gone (laughs) because they are significantly a part of the church that Jesus um, is building. Uh, Matt, thank you very much for the prayer. For those who don't know me, my name is Kevin. Um, What am I? Um, I'm a retired vicar, Um, I'm a child of God, and I'm just delighted to be preaching uh, this afternoon. Uh, Just something for you to do, um, chat to the person next to you. Um, Can you think of an occasion when you have benefited from somebody else's wisdom? Can you think of an occasion when you have benefited in your life from somebody else's wisdom? Um, And you may want to say who it is. You may even want to say when it was. Uh, But is there a specific occasion when you feel your life has benefited from the wisdom that somebody else has shared with you? Go for it. Just two or three minutes of chatting. Yeah. Friends, I'm loath to stop you. For whom was it a parent? Um, Somebody within your family? Which one? (laughs) Okay, not that one. Okay. Um, for whom was it somebody else in the family, the wider family? A grandparent even, a brother, a sister, uh, a teacher? Yeah, one or two, it was a teacher. How about the pastor or the minister of a church? Yeah, some of you guys, any others, do shout them out. Godparents. Godparents, brilliant. That is really good when godparents stick around and impart uh, wisdom. A friend. A good Christian friend, anybody? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots of wise people around. And I think the the bottom line of my message is this, that wisdom is a huge theme in the Bible. It's just massive from Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible, right the way through uh, to the book of Revelation. Uh, And there are apparently um, 409 occasions on which the word wisdom or the word wise are used in uh, the Holy Scriptures. There are three books in the Old Testament, uh, Job and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, which we refer to as the wisdom books, the wisdom literature in the Bible, because each of those three books particularly extols the value of wisdom. There's nothing lovelier than to read the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. Uh, And here there, the writer of of, of that part of the book of Proverbs Um, personifying wisdom and just saying how beautiful uh, wisdom is. And it's probably summarised in chapter 8 and verse 11, uh, where the writer says, Wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you can desire can compare uh, with her. Wisdom is so incredibly (laughs) precious. Uh, And that's why, as we shared, you can remember uh, people who've shared precious wisdom into your life because it has made a difference. 
Uh, There are characters in the Holy Scriptures who we know particularly for their wisdom. So if I were to start the phrase, the wisdom of, how would you complete it? The wisdom of? Wisdom of Solomon. Um, And that's known in the wider world, well beyond the church. Um, Solomon, right at the start of his kingship, God asked him what he would like to give him. And Solomon said, I'd like you to give me a wise, discerning heart. Uh, And God says, because you've not asked for victory in battle, you've not asked for great wealth, you've not asked for any of these things, I will give you a wise and a discerning heart. And that's, of course, um, exactly why Solomon was known for his wisdom. Um, So much so that the Queen of Sheba heard about it and she came trekking to try and tap into the wisdom that was in Solomon. And who else would we point to in the scripture? Certainly Joseph, um, almost certainly Moses, definitely David, and we could go on and on, pointing to, to characters in the Holy Scriptures who were truly wise. Um, but the paramountly wise person in the Holy Scriptures is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I love the focus in our worship earlier on the Lord Jesus. Friends, at the end of the day, all of this discipleship thing, it's all about Jesus. Amen? It's all about him. And Luke tells us that as a child, Jesus grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Um, Do you remember the occasion when he went off by himself and he sat in the temple at the age of 12, sitting at the feet of the teachers. Um, And Luke, reflecting on that, says that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. When he spoke in uh, his home synagogue in Nazareth, the uh, congregation said, what's this wisdom that's been given to him? And of course, right the way through his earthly ministry, people flocked to listen to what the wise man Jesus had got to say. Where did this man get his wisdom? People said, and these miraculous powers, all of which led the Apostle Paul beyond the death and the resurrection, the ascension, glorification of the Lord Jesus, all of which led the Apostle Paul to say in his letter to the Colossians that in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Isn't that utterly stunning? (laughs) Why don't we say it together? In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All the storehouse of wisdom are in Jesus, that he is the embodiment of wisdom, Um, that all wisdom divine and human is, so to speak, distilled into this person who we have been worshipping today, the Lord Jesus Christ, so that Paul can go on and say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24, he speaks there of Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. That the Lord Jesus Christ is in his person the wisdom of God. It's all there in him And having grasped that, the Apostle Paul is very keen that we might tap into this wisdom. He longs that the churches that he has planted and the church that he pastors might tap into 
the stature of the wisdom of God. So when he's praying for the Ephesians, in chapter 1 and verse 17 of his letter to the Ephesians, he says, I keep asking, it's my constant prayer for the church, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of? The spirit of wisdom. <laughs> That's what I want for my church, that the Lord of all might grant to you a spirit of uh, wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Uh, and when Paul comes in 1 Corinthians 12 to list the gifts of the Spirit, what's the first gift of the Spirit that is mentioned? We love to go on to the more spectacular gifts, but 1 Corinthians 12, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. The very first gift of the Spirit that the Apostle Paul mentions isn't the gift of tongues or interpretation or prophecy for all that these are valuable. The very first gift that comes to his mind is the gift of uh, wisdom. And so when we come to this book that we've been studying these past weeks and we'll go on studying the book of James, we're told in the opening paragraph, chapter 1 and verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without fault, and it will be given to you. And then we come to these verses, chapter 3 and verses 13 to 18, and wisdom, as Matt read them to us a few moments ago, is the main theme. Now, that's the briefest of summaries. <laughs> I'd love to spend much longer unpacking uh, the place of wisdom in the whole revelation of God in the Holy Scriptures. It's a huge theme the wisdom of God, the wisdom compressed and distilled into perfection in our Lord Jesus Christ, the wisdom that God would impart to us generously and that he wants us to give as our gift to the world around us. Friends, as I kind of read this and studied this this week, I was a bit kind of convicted. When did you last preach in nearly 40 years of preaching on the subject of wisdom? I can't remember and yet this is such an immense theme, and I wonder, uh, therefore, I've wondered for myself whether it's a theme that somehow the church has neglected in its preaching and in its uh, teaching. So will you work with me on these few verses? Uh, if you've got your Bible open in front of you too, perhaps it could appear on the uh, screen uh, behind me. What has uh, James got to say in these few verses in chapter 3 of his uh, letter? Uh, and then I want to apply it. Uh, and I want to apply it particularly to what it means to seek wisdom as a church. Uh, we've thought about it individually. Who have we spoken to individually? Whose life has displayed wisdom individually? But what does it mean to build a whole church with this as one of our foundational uh, principles? Um, so what, I've just got three things, there's loads here, but three things it seems to me that James says about wisdom in these verses, and the first is this, that wisdom has its source in God. Wisdom has its source in God, and the phraseology that he uses is that it comes down to us from God. In fact, twice in these verses, uh, James speaks of wisdom coming down from uh, heaven. Uh, verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven 
is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, and uh, so on. Uh, wisdom is in God. Hallelujah. Amen. That God is essentially and totally wise. Um, and I think of a kind of waterfall, <laughs> that from the wisdom that is in God, that wisdom can fall down on you and on me. Its source is in God, but it overflows generously, says James, into our lives. It's not a wisdom that he keeps to himself. It's not a wisdom that he's selective in the way in which he bestows it on people in the world uh, uh, around us. But here is an attribute of God which he gives to all those of us who are made in his image to some degree or another, and that he pours into the lives of all those of us who long for wisdom or who need uh, wisdom. I think that's the first thing to say. Any, am I communicating here? Yeah. That wisdom comes down from God. It has its source in God, and it comes down from heaven. And then secondly, in these verses, he contrasts the wisdom that comes from heaven to wisdom, verse 15, that does not come down from heaven. So this is fairly tough teaching. There's a wisdom which comes from the source of all wisdom, who is God himself. But James is very clear here that there's a so-called wisdom, and he even puts the word wisdom in inverted commas, which does not come down from heaven. Uh, and the Bible actually often contrasts God, what we might call good wisdom, which comes from God, with bad wisdom, which, as James puts it here in verse 15, and I quote, is earthly and unspiritual and demonic. Um, in other words, he's saying not everyone who claims to be wise is wise, uh, not everything that appears to be wise is wise. It could be earthly. Um, it could be distorted by the fact that we are of the earth, part of a fallen humanity and a fallen creation, so that the things that we speak, even though we think they're wise, are not wise. They're actually of the earth. Or they're unspiritual, um, and that suggests that it comes from our spirit rather than God's spirit, where somehow we've claimed an authority for the words that we share that are rooted in our own spirit rather than in the spirit of God, or they can even watch out for it, be demonic. Um, I was sharing with somebody only the other day when, uh, of an occasion when I was speaking to the late Bishop of Litchfield, Keith Sutton, um, and he was saying he was desperate for me not to apply for a particular job. And I discovered later, when I agreed not to apply for this job, um, why he'd been so keen that I didn't go for it. Um, and I remember him saying, Kevin, there is evil in the church, you know. Now, that's a senior bishop reflecting on the demonic that can actually be around even within the life of the church. So if you're with me, James is contrasting here good wisdom from what he would call bad wisdom, which is rooted in the earth. It's an expression of our own, own spirit rather than the Holy Spirit, and it can even be uh, demonic. 
And friends, you know as much as I do that there are all sorts of things out there that claim to be true. Uh, There's all sorts confronting us on our television screens, in the print media, and in social media that presents itself to us as truth and wisdom. That those sort of claims can creep into the life of the church when actually they are bad wisdom. They're simply not true, however authoritatively or attractively we might actually present those to uh, other people. I think it's very interesting that Paul, when he grapples with the subject of human wisdom in the first three chapters of his first letter to the Corinthians, says this, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. We think we're so clever, don't we? We think we've got it all together. And here's James saying, actually, the wisdom of this world, whether it's because of its earthly or unspiritual or demonic roots, Uh, is actually foolishness in God's sight. And he says, if any of you think you're wise by the standards of this age, you should become fools so that you might become wise. (laughs) How interesting. Uh, If we are standing on our own wisdom, then maybe we've got to learn to be foolish, to look to the source of all wisdom, which is in God and not within our own prowess or abilities or intellect or spiritual discernment. Um, I think there's a serious word there uh, for us. He wants us to become fools so that we might then become wise. Are you still with me here? This is what he's saying. Uh, Wisdom has its source in God. He then contrasts uh, good wisdom from supposed wisdom. We might call it bad wisdom, And then thirdly, he says, you'll know the difference between good and bad wisdom by the fruit of people's lives. That's the test. As people speak to us and say, this is true, that is true, what James is saying, well, check out their lives. Look at how they're behaving, look at how they're acting, not just look at how they are pronouncing So he's using exactly the same principle that he uses with faith, isn't he? Um, He says, you don't don't just tell me you've got faith. You show me your deeds because your deeds will tell me that you've got true faith. And in the same way with wisdom, uh, James is saying true wisdom isn't just self-evident in the words that are spoken, but true wisdom will be evident in the lives that are lived by those who are truly Uh, wise. So verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from uh, wisdom. And the life that he describes sounds a little bit like the life of Jesus. Uh, The character of the truly wise person is akin to the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, verse 17, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Um, When you see that in a person's life, then listen to what they've got to say. But he contrasts that with those who are not wise by defining for us the lives that they live 
Um, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you'll find disorder and every evil practice. I think there's an important principle here, isn't there? In our very wordy world, when so many people are saying to us, this is truth, this is what you should do, we test truth by looking at the lives of those who are speaking. And we will see true wisdom um, demonstrated practically. It's a practical wisdom, not just uh, ethereal words in the Easter. I don't know, have I gone too deep there? I don't know, is that making sense to you? Three simple points. True wisdom, which comes from on high and comes down from heaven. Uh, contrasting that with supposed wisdom, which could be earthly, spiritually, even demonic. Uh, and how do we arbitrate between what is good wisdom and what is bad wisdom by the lives that that truth is actually creating, which looks very much like the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know where that leaves you. Does it leave you wanting true wisdom? Um, because James has already said to us in chapter 1, if you lack wisdom, ask God for it, and he will give it to you generously. <laughs> As I was preparing this, I'm asking, Lord, for more and more wisdom. I think wisdom is deeply attractive. So many of us yearn to be in the presence of the truly wise. So many of our lives would be enriched if we were regularly having wisdom imparted into our lives by other people. Yes or no? Yes. Yeah, okay. So what might it mean, all too briefly, for the church to be committed to wisdom? And for true wisdom to be a foundational principle, a kind of bedrock upon which we build the life of the church. And dare I apply it to Telford Minster? God's building a church here. Uh, do we want to be a church that prizes wisdom, uh, that doesn't want false wisdom creeping in, which is earthly and unspiritual, or dare I say, even demonic? What might it mean here? Very briefly. First is this, I think we will long for and seek after the wisdom that comes down from heaven. That's what we'll do. It'll be a yearning and a longing in our hearts. I don't know what we're going to do on Wednesday evenings, but I hope one of the things we might do is yearn for wisdom. And I love reading books. My study's full of them. Um, I love debates. I love sitting and listening to teachers and sitting at the feet of others. Uh, all of these things are good, but only in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Only in him are all the treasures of wisdom hidden away. Here's the pearl of great price. Here is the purest oil. Here is undiluted truth. So how does a church become wise? By being utterly entranced by Jesus. <laughs> yeah, by being totally enthralled by Jesus. To being on the edge of our seats, 
listening to what Jesus would say to us. And how do we access what Jesus would say to us? Well, we access it through the scriptures. So a church that's seeking wisdom will be a church of the word, where we open the scriptures and we work at the scriptures, and we won't be satisfied by a kind of superficial interpretation of the scriptures, but we'll dig deeper and deeper in. Why? Because in there are hidden all the treasures of divine and human wisdom. Um, my wife's been nagging me as I retire. Kevin, would you please throw some books away? And I have to confess, I'm loath to do it. And I've always got a kind of justification for having uh, lots of books on my bookshelf. So I was very challenged recently when I heard of a vicar who'd thrown all his books away at retirement in order that he only had one book and he was going to dedicate the whole of his retirement to reading and rereading and going into depth into the Holy Scriptures, Genesis through uh, to Revelation. Uh, friends, if we want to be a church that prizes wisdom, we will seek, first and foremost, that pure, undiluted wisdom that comes down from heaven. Is that what we want? Yeah, okay, I think there was a yes out there. And then secondly, a church committed to wisdom will be a learning church. We'll be constantly on the lookout for wisdom and help and insight and understanding. We won't lean on our own understanding, but we'll lean into wisdom wherever that wisdom might be offered uh, to us. Uh, we'll cast the net wide and we will sit at the feet of anyone who can bring us wisdom from on high. And I don't know, we've got a big project here, haven't we, under God, at Telford Minster, um, to reach the town, particularly 20s and 30s, um, to move from establishing a hub at the centre to a number of community churches around Telford. Um, uh, friends, let's never, let's never fall into an assumption that we know how to do that. I think Matt would be the first to say, we don't know how to do it. Um, so a, a church that's founded on wisdom will be a learning community. We'll be constantly assuming we don't know things and looking out for a deeper, greater wisdom that can help us in our mission and in our calling. I think thirdly, very briefly, it will mean that we will test wisdom carefully. Uh, for the very reason that I've already mentioned, that there's so many claims to wisdom out there which is not truly uh, wise. And we will be very wise uh, to test anything that claims itself to be true and just check out that it's not rooted in our pride, in our insecurities, in our need to be right, in our immaturity. Um, and we'll learn a capacity to be critically self-evaluative. You know what I mean? I think true wisdom will check out everything, not just to distinguish the right from the wrong, but to distinguish the good from the better. <laughs> um, from the okay to something that might be so much richer and so much deeper. Um, we'll be constantly being willing to be critically uh, evaluated. And fourthly, we'll particularly prize practical wisdom. 
Um, we're not interested in people getting more and more degrees and filling their heads with more and more knowledge, but we are looking for people who are living lives that look a little bit more pure and peace-loving and considerate and submissive and full of mercy and good fruit, impartiality and sincerity. Is that the kind of church that we want to, uh, we want to be? Yearning for wisdom, committed to learning, being critically self-evaluative because we want to get to the better always, testing everything and prizing practical wisdom. Shall we stand? Thanks for listening. We hope this time has blessed you. Hit the subscribe button to hear more like this. And to find out more about Telford Minster, follow us at Telford Minster on Instagram and Facebook or go to telfordminster.org.uk.